welcome to Standing in the Gap. I'm your host preacher, Brandon Harrell. Standing in the Gap is a weekly audio Bible study dedicated to the verse-by-verse exposition of the KJV Scriptures. It is my prayer that through these studies, the lost will be saved, the believer edified, and most of all, that the Lord Jesus Christ will be magnified and honored through the proclamation of His Word. For correspondence information, please stay tuned until the end of the broadcast. May the Lord bless you as you listen to this week's Standing in the Gap. All right, it's time again for Standing in the Gap. This is Preacher Brandon, and we're still continuing in our study of the Gospel of Matthew. We're still in this first chapter. We finished up now the first 17 verses and the genealogy of Jesus Christ. We've moved now to verses 18 and following, and we're dealing with the birth of Jesus Christ. Uh, now, we have been considering this in uh, chapter 1 here, and last time we started examining uh, what we've called Joseph's discovery. We read there in verse number 18, now the birth of Jesus Christ was on this wise, when as his mother Mary was espoused to Joseph, before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Ghost. Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man and willing and not willing to make her a public example, was minded to put her away privily. And uh, just reading here of Joseph's discovery of Mary's condition. Now, we spent some time on the last broadcast in this chapter, in chapter 1 of Luke's Gospel, and we looked at verses 26 through 36 at that great passage that's often called the Annunciation. Uh, There, Mary had received the message uh, from the angel and had resigned to the will of God in being the vessel whereby he would bring his only begotten son into the world. And we noticed as we studied Joseph's discovery, the season of the discovery. We talked about the commitment that had been made, the parties involved here. The scripture tells us in our text that uh, Mary was espoused to Joseph. We talked about espousal and what that entailed, what all that meant. And we talked about their chastity. The scripture said there that it was before they came together. And we understand that Mary, according to the prophecy of Isaiah, uh, was a virgin. And uh, she had not been with a man. Yet, here she was with child. And so we'll pick up there today as we think about this discovery, Joseph's discovery. Not only the season of his discovery. But secondly, I want you to notice with me the surprise of this discovery. The scripture tells us here in verse 18 that Mary was found with child of the Holy Ghost. She was found with child of the Holy Ghost. What an interesting phrase. Now, after the annunciation that Mary had received... And when she had resigned to the will of God, she said, Be it unto me as you will. Uh, 
We find that she went based on a recommendation given to her by Gabriel under her cousin Elizabeth. Uh, Elizabeth and her uh, husband Zacharias, who likely lived around Hebron, uh, they had received a message as well. And Elizabeth would bear the child John the Baptist, who would be the forerunner of Christ. And Mary, on the recommendation of the angel, went to Elizabeth's house. She stayed there with her for a total of three months. And then she returned back to Nazareth, and she's pregnant. And uh, I don't know about you, but if I was engaged to a gal and she left town for three months and came back pregnant, I would definitely have questions. And as we think about Joseph's discovery, notice this surprise. The word found here, it translates two Greek words. They are harisko and echo. The first means to meet with or happen upon. The second word is often translated hold or seize, and it literally means to seize hold, to grab a hold of someone. I'm told that this is a Greek idiom. We're being told that the discovery of Mary's pregnancy was a shock that seized those to whom it was revealed. Now, why would this have been so shocking? I believe it's because her testimony and character were apparently above reproach. She had lived in such a way that to find out that she was potentially guilty of sexual immorality was shocking to the individuals that heard it, no doubt especially to her espoused husband, Joseph. Now, I was thinking about that, and it reminded me of some texts of Scripture that I want to just touch on with you here on the broadcast. First of all, I thought about 1 Timothy chapter 5 and verse number 14. There we read uh, the words of Paul to Timothy. He said, I will therefore that the younger women marry, bear children, guide the house. Now, notice this. Give none occasion to the adversary to speak reproachfully. Give none occasion to the adversary to speak reproachfully. In other words, Paul said, I would that the young women would marry a husband, would bear children and guide their homes and live in such a way as to give no occasion to the devil and the enemy to speak reproachfully of her. She should carry herself in such a way that she would be above reproach, that she would be blameless. I believe Mary was fulfilling that very verse of Scripture in her life. Now, obviously, Paul hadn't written it yet, but she was a model of what Paul would later on write to Timothy concerning young women. She was living above reproach. In Titus chapter number 2, verses 1 to 8, we read these words, But speak thou the things which become sound doctrine. I would remind you that Paul is not saying, I'm about to give you sound doctrine. He's going to say, I'm going to tell you how you ought to conduct yourself that would be becoming and fitting and appropriate for those who hold and believe sound doctrine. He said, 
Let the aged men be sober, grave, temperate, sound in faith, in charity, in patience. The aged women likewise, that they be in behavior as becometh holiness, not false accusers, not given to much wine, teachers of good things, that they may teach the young women to be sober, to love their husbands, to love their children, to be discreet, chaste, keepers at home, good, obedient to their own husbands, that the word of God be not blasphemed. And now he has a word for the young men, beginning in verse 6. He says, Young men likewise exhort to be sober-minded in all things, showing thyself a pattern of good works in doctrine, showing uncorruptness, gravity, sincerity, sound speech that cannot be condemned, that he that is of the contrary part may be ashamed, having no evil thing to say. Here's another emphasis on the same subject by Paul to those young men here, that they would live in such a way that they uh, that those who would be of the contrary part would be ashamed, having no evil thing to say. They were to live blameless, to live above reproach. Now Peter makes this a blanket in uh, a blanket situation, and he says in First Peter two verse nine to twelve. But ye are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, and holy nation, a peculiar people, that ye should show forth the praises of Him who hath called you out of darkness into His marvelous light which in time past were not a people, but are now the people of God, which had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. Dearly beloved, I beseech you, as strangers and pilgrims, abstain from fleshly lusts which war against the soul, having your conversation honest among the Gentiles, that whereas they speak against you as evildoers, they may be they may by your good works, which they shall behold, glorify God in the day of visitation. The same emphasis in another place of scripture. Live in such a way, live in, live such a holy life, live such a pure life, live such a life that is above reproach that if an accusation came that you had done wrong, that people would not believe that and that people would be shocked by the fact that something like that could take place in your life. That's exactly what was going on in the life of Mary. She was living above reproach. Now, notice then the substance of this discovery. We see the surprise. We see the season. But then notice the substance. The scripture says in verse 18, she was found with child of the Holy Ghost. Now, Joseph doesn't know what we know. All he knows is Mary disappeared for three months. She's returned, and now she is with child. He knows he had nothing to do with it. So now his question is, what has taken place? Who has gotten you pregnant, Mary? Now, if he's like me, if he he would maybe suspect that someone had harmed her, that someone had abused her. I don't know about you, other men, but if it were me and I was Joseph and I thought that was the case, I'd be headed down to Hebron to get my hands around the neck of some fella who had abused my espoused wife. He asked her, Mary, what happened? How have you gotten pregnant? 
Then there's also the suspicion that would probably have come into his mind, knowing that she had left not pregnant, that he had not had an involvement, and now she comes back pregnant. She's assured him she's not been abused, so it must be that she has had a relationship with a man while she was away. And so he says, Mary, what on earth has happened? And she tells him the story. She is with child of the Holy Ghost. The God of heaven by his angel sent her a message that she was going to conceive and bear the Messiah, the Son of the living God. That when she asked the question, how shall these things be? He said, the Holy Spirit, the Holy Ghost of God is going to come upon you and overshadow you. And that holy thing which shall be born of you shall be called the Son of God. The only thing harder to believe than that Mary had potentially uh, been sexually immoral was her explanation of her condition. Joseph had no word from heaven. He had no word from God at this point. All he had was an espoused wife who left and returned pregnant with child. She does not say that she's been abused. She does not confess to any adultery, but instead she says... God did this. Now it appeared to Joseph that she had not only committed adultery, but now she was willing to tell a lie and even to call God to affirm her lie in order to cover it up. My, what position Joseph finds himself in as Mary returns to Nazareth three months pregnant with a child. What would you do? What would I do? What would Joseph do? We'll study next time Joseph's decision that we find in verse number 19. Till then, this has been Pastor Brandon. God bless you. Thank you for listening to Standing in the Gap. It is my desire that today's episode has been a blessing to you. If you'd like to contact me, my email is bcharrell83 at protonmail.com. That's b-c-h-a-r-r-e-l-l 83 at protonmail.com. You can also reach me by phone at 828-777-4923. Tune in next time for Standing in the Gap.